3: Back of the Nest Daily Transfer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the first of a special series of Transfer Window Podcasts. We'll be releasing a daily podcast um, focusing on the activities for Palace in the Window, or lack of activities as it may well be. Um, I'm joined by my review show compatriots Patrick O'Connor and Mike Scott. Um, And we touched on transfers in the review show uh, recorded on the the same day as this, actually, and um, probably out on the same day as this, gents. But I think um, we we promised that we'd focus a little bit more on the concept of backing Roy in the window and you know Roy's approach to the sort of scouting and director of football system and get into a bit more detail here. Uh, It shouldn't be more than 10 or 15 minutes or so, but let's see how we do. Um, So I'm going to open, gents, by saying lots of people Demanding that Roy Hodgson be backed in this transfer window, and I want to explore what does that mean, and what are the potential limitations of that? As supporters, we're often guilty of making these things very black and white, very very simple. Either you back a manager or you don't. But obviously, the intricacies that are there that we don't we're not party to, or we hear in rumour and snippets here and there. You know, it's a very very challenging situation, particularly the January window itself in terms of trying to get value if you've got limited funds. But what is clear is that Roy Hodgson is not a happy man. And Patrick, you touched on it in the review show, he is, you know, and, and Mike, you mentioned that if you look at his history, that, that he has not really done this before. But he's drawing real attention to, first of all, the potential but lack of backing, singling out the American ownership, which was eventually edited off of the Palace uh, video site. But he's also repeatedly mentioned that the targets are the same the positions are the same and he's quite clearly angry that he's not getting that backing
4: yeah um i i understand i mean we've got a lot of injuries prior to the injuries i wasn't besides the right back position i wasn't really sure what we needed backing on but I, well, obviously a striker which we have addressed now but I, I I get his frustration. I just think that this whole thing behind the scene with the Americans isn't is an issue, and I don't think we want to spend a lot of money. So, him being backed, I get his frustration. Um, I'm, besides a right back and a midfielder, I don't know where this is going, and I don't think I think there's an issue behind the scenes with him, and um, you know, the backroom stuff, as recruitment, and uh, it has to be addressed because I I it's 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 irksome to me to continue to hear these comments. Post match, uh, prior to the match, you can't help it because the reporters are going to ask the same stupid questions until January thirty first about transfers anyway. But it's annoying that, uh, that he has to continue to ask answer questions about Benteke and about a striker and about a right back about Wolf going out and then about being backed because to me, it's, I know it has to be addressed, but it's to me there's more of an internal thing going on than an external thing. I think when football fans talk about being backed, they're talking about
0: having a whole load of money and those horrible cliches like a war chest and all that kind of thing. Um, Being back could be an excellent scouting network that picks up players on the cheap. Um, We'll talk about Scott Banks at Dundee United in a minute. Um, To me, it's uh, ensuring that everyone's done their homework. It isn't necessarily buying the next 30 million pound player. But I think a lot of the times when you read stuff on Twitter, that's exactly what people are alluding to. And I mean, that isn't going to happen. I don't think that's what his frustration is. Um, I think that he just wants, um, you know, bodies through the door that he thinks are of a decent standard. But if his head clashes with um, Dougie's or anyone else's about who that is, then he probably will be frustrated.
3: Absolutely right. And, you know, the sort of final word I want to say on, on, Really, what backed means is that you you have to be a little bit careful there because lots of people have picked up on issues with the squad. I mean, one of the particular favourites—it's something we've talked about last year um, on the show—which is you know how quickly the average age of the squad had sort of crept up on us, and how you know contracts expiring and things like that meant we've got so much work we need to do on the squad to kind of protect us for the future seasons. And we're still in that position because the investment hasn't been there. The you know, the agreement to sign players hasn't been there. Um, seemingly, some have been brought to our attention that either the manager's refused or that the deal's broken down in some form. So people do have to be potentially a little bit careful about demanding contradictory things. So you know, the way I see it at the moment, it concerns me when when people are saying back the manager. It's like, well, okay, back the manager how? Because if manager wants things that are short-term, if he wants things that will only exacerbate the same problems that you're complaining about with regards to the age of the squad um, and the fact that we're, we're sort of targeting, you know, what what some people might see as cast-offs. Look at the, the reaction to the two key targets that Roy identified in Gary Cahill and James McCarthy. The reaction to both of those on signing was, was generally quite poor um, because they were players either who, in McCarthy's case, who hadn't played or in or Cahill's case was, was, you know, considered too old for us to sign, you know, considering the strength that we had at the club and center backs anyway. So those are things where people, you know, in my opinion, they, they talk about backing the manager and you know, in a way, you know, he, he was backed within the constraints that we're working under. You know, there's obviously an issue with, with how much money is available because Roy's talked about how frustrated he is about it, you know? Um, I wanna talk about an issue around around sort of the two way aspect of trust before we start getting into some individual rumours. But um Patrick, you did want to jump back in there. I don't know if you're ready.
4: Yeah, um so my question or comment is back to what end? I mean, we're we're ninth right now in the Premier League. Are we trying to, is he going back so we can avoid relegation, which you need to talk about still, or are we going back to get into Europe? Because if we're getting, if he wants to be back to get into Europe, I'm more for it. I really am. I'm 100% for it. Let's go for it. Let's spend money. Let's try and get into Europa League, etc. But if it's just to stay up, um, I know Chris, you mentioned last week about being concerned about staying up, but if you look at our next few fixtures, we can get, I think, 11 points from the next few fixtures. That'll put us over 40 points. I think we'll be okay at that point. So, if we're going, he wants you back just to stay in the league, I, I'm, I'm I'm past that already. I, I want more. So I, if it's to be back to to push us, we are not in the league cup. We're not in the FA Cup anymore. So if it's back to just stay, finish eighth, just you not know save the money. Honestly, just save the money.
3: Yeah, well, that's that's a really good point, Patrick. Because it is to what end? You know, for me, I I think. I'm in a similar place to uh, to yourself and probably a lot of floor fl- fans in terms of what they're talking about. It feels like an opportunity that right now. It feels like we've had to struggle, well we have had to struggle. Roy has got an incredible points total on the board given, you know, the the sort of trauma we've had to deal with in terms of, of available players. You know, but there's there's intricacies in there of, you know, the emergence of redevowed, you know, and we go back a little bit further and being forced to use Wan-Bissaka, all those kinds of things where arguably Roy wouldn't have used those players had he not been forced and, and the squad was there. We can talk about that till the cows come home, but, you know, it does feel like right now, I don't think we're going to be in any danger of troubling the European places if we don't do something in this window. But like you say, Patrick, if... If that the aim is just to stay in the division, if the investment isn't there from above, um, it's a shame. And probably, you know, I don't think Roy will probably hang around to to work in that same environment for for much longer either. So that that would be a, a trouble one. But I, I, you know, I don't want to ask the question. I suppose Mike, I'll ask you this. You know, there's the comments on Tosin and the kind of. Lack of backing, if we want to call it that, if we want to simplify it down to that. Does that suggest trust issues in kind of both directions? So maybe trust issues in that Roy is not necessarily trusting the scouting and, and director of football set up and uh, has been surprised by the signing of Tosson. But similarly, it's the lack of backing because maybe the the club don't trust Roy to sign the right players for, for the, even the short and long term.
0: well i don't know what his expectations are um don't know how much he hears about the financial side of things um if you think about a normal business it's unlikely that um a manager um would in a manager of a department would hear that much about the the, the financial comings and goings other than what their budget is um and if their budget is low they're going to be frustrated all year long and he has he has sounded frustrated at the same time Um, He might not have quite been in the situation where things were as tight with expectations as high as they are um, at any other club before. More than that, he clearly gets pretty hurt by certain questions from the press. So um, his weakness in press conferences seems to be that if his buttons are pressed, he loses it. Um, So we're probably reading quite a lot into stuff. If... If Dougie Freeman actually ever came out and publicly spoke whatsoever, um you might get a more balanced view. Um so I don't know, I think I think we're just we're just guessing. Um but he is still at the club. Um he hasn't walked away, he hasn't done an Allardyce, so he's obviously happy enough to at least see out this season.
3: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And I you know, I do think Certainly, some of the, the the rumors that do the rounds, and obviously, you know, sometimes those rumors come from people with an agenda or whatever. But you know, it does. I do think that there is a degree of disconnect between, you know, what the you know those in charge of the club itself feel is is an appropriate way to spend the money that we have, versus what Roy's demanding. I do think there's a disconnect there, um, and I think that that was definitely hinted in the the recent comments. But that's got to be resolved. You know, it's hard, you, you hate to see the situation we've got where ownership is clearly playing a part, you know, you've got to have you know, those who own a football club do have a responsibility, a duty of care to it and its supporters. And that's easy for us to say, oh, owners, go away and put your hands in your pockets. But, you know, if you've if you've taken that decision like the, the US owners have to invest in something, um, you know, you've got you've got to take the responsibility that comes with that. Um you know, we're not the first football, football club to find ourselves in that position and we won't be the last, but it is incredibly frustrating because, because unless someone comes in that enables you to generate a huge amount you know, of income um, through investment, then, then what on earth do you do to, to satisfy FFP and, and to you know, go out and get the players that you need? Really, really tough situation. So spend the next, uh, you know, three minutes or so, because obviously we've got plenty of podcasts to, to talk about all the different targets. But uh, definitely wanted to look at it in terms of other than the the most rumored one, which is Scott Banks, who we'll talk about first, I think. Um, but the rest are all um, in in the fallback positions. There's another three we'll talk about today. So first up, Scott Banks. You've probably seen the rumors yourself that um, he'd signed a pre contract with us. But at the time of recording, it looks like we are very much trying to push through a deal to take him that little bit earlier. He's at um, Dundee United, um, performed well on on loan at Clyde. He's an attacking midfielder, very highly rated, but currently frozen out at at Dundee United because he's refused to sign a new contract. They're not using him. They're not giving him any football at all. Um, So it looks like Palace have kind of identified that as an unhealthy situation, given that we want to take him in the summer and maybe taking him now. His best. Um, 18 years old, likely to be for the under 23s, but you know, he can play out wide, can play um, in behind a striker. Um, Patrick, young talent, something you'd suggest that we've scouted for quite some time. Um, that sort of signing very much float your boat?
4: Seems like a very much a Dougie uh, initiative, which is fine with me. Um, I'm more for attacking players, you know, I feel like players like Maya and Camarassa, you know, Wilf, etc. So, um, but I don't see any chance he ever plays. For us, under Hodgson, being taken play, taking into account how young he is, and he's a, uh, you know, and he's an attacking player. Also, we don't really use those players as often as we probably should. But I mean, if it's something for the future, pre contract, I think it's good forward thinking. But I don't think it'll be playing for us uh, in the first time soon.
3: Okay, Mike, have any strong views one way or the other on Scott Banks?
4: I mean, it's it's worth a punt.
0: Um, we're certainly not the only side to be looking at him, but. I would say, you know, Dundee United have have had him out on loan at Clyde, Um, so not entirely sure how much they can possibly say about him. But um, it seems to me that if they've decided to identify him, it's well worth a punt. Um, And we have got a, a pretty decent pedigree of getting attacking midfielders to come through. Um, And make money off them. So um, I don't think anyone's going to have any criticism of that as a signing. If anyone uses it to say, oh, it's because we're we're not signing anyone decent, a a la Erdel Rackip, I really don't think that's the case.
3: Yeah, well, as (laughs) long as I think probably as long as the club avoids the sort of of full package that they did with Rackip and Yak when they announced them as our marquee signings to try and cover the fact that a whole bunch of other deals had gone wrong. (laughs) My thing is I'm going to avoid that this time. Uh, People will be completely understanding that it's good to sign, you know, talented young, highly rated players, um, and invest your, your time and your energy in developing them. Um, yeah, you know, in in your, in your head, you kind of hope that we've actually scouted someone that we've identified is ready now. And that Roy's for hundred percent on board and we'll, we'll get this sort of well-beating 18 year old. But I suggest that, um, yeah, it's a development signing more than that, but let's see what happens. I, you know, I, I, signing young players is great for me. And similarly, we linked north of the border as well to a, to a lad called Aaron Hickey. I'm sure there's lots of uh, jokes that people can make there, but I will ignore those uh, in the interest of time. So he's currently playing at, at Hearts, um, left back, um, former Celtic youth player, um, and it's suggested that you know because he's 17. You know, we're looking at signing him now for a good sum of money, and letting him see out the season with Hearts. And obviously, we do want to invest in um, in the fullback positions, and we do want to invest in young players. Um, I don't know what it says potentially about the players that we have there. Um, you know, Tyric Mitchell for one, uh, who has had some injury problems. To be fair, but again, it looks to be a forward-thinking signing. Don't know too much about him. I guess you guys don't, but um, Mike. <laughs>
0: All I would say is that Hearts are rock bottom of the league um, and have conceded a ridiculous amount of goals for 20-odd games. So, um, let's, let's hope that's not his fault.
3: I'm sure it he is. isn't. he's obviously been, you know, that sort of stuff. Well, will, you know, at 17 years old as well, will stand you in really good stead, you know, to, to be in that position of having to battle and, and you know, playing first-team football at that age. He's obviously got some talent. Um there we go. So let's talk about the the right-back position. So, you know, again, Roy, very downbeat on the fact that there's been no progress around Kyle Walker-Peters. Um, seen suggestions that that's because we're targeting Nathan Ferguson, who we'll talk about in another podcast in the future. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what what transpires there. Um, but, yeah, Roy, definitely sounding downbeat, so we'd suggest nothing much is happening there. Um, we've talked about Kyle Walker-Peters already, so we won't dwell on that. But a new name that popped up today is Jamal Lewis, um, to left back at Norwich, uh, was in the championship team of the season, um, their promotion season last year. Um, very highly rated, but he's lost his place after injury and finding it a struggle to get back in. Northern Ireland international, 21 years old. So it was talked about at the same level as Max Ahrens, who's been linked with big moves to the likes of of Tottenham um, and, and others. <laughs> so... That one definitely appeals to me. Um, I've not seen a huge amount of him play, but you know he was playing as a, as an attacking left back uh, in a side that was doing very well and playing some very good football. So um, if there's a chance to do a good deal there, that's relatively cheap because he's now out of favour. That's the sort of thing that I think is well worth a worth a risk on a twenty one year old.
4: Yeah, um, I need a life because um, I listen to the uh, and watch the Talk Norwich City podcast. The young man that does it. It's quite entertaining so i actually know a little bit i mean no i've watched a little bit out heard a little bit about jamal lewis and i think he got actually hurt in this match at home for us uh against us again at sellers park this year he's a you know aggressive young player um did very well for them last year um in the championship and if we could get him that would be a that would be a really great pickup he's, he's younger than any of the left backs we've been obviously um, linked with uh, and I like him as a player he just doesn't score but he's you know he can get forward and he's, he's quick he's decently defensive player so we can get him on at a decent price and it'll be a very good pick up, especially at left back where it's very hard to find a, a solid young left back so I think it'll be a pretty good pick up if that happens
0: I just find from a pragmatic point of view because obviously these rumours you never know what facts they come in I, I just find it very hard to think that Norwich would let go of a, a decent left back who's played as many times as he has for his club and and done so well in the Championship, um, it's more likely that their team will fall apart as and when they get relegated. So I I really can't see that being a January transfer signing. That's that's off the back of no inside knowledge other than it doesn't seem to make sense.
3: No, I totally understand that. And sometimes the rumours that pop up in January are because people are lining up potential summer deals as well. So you never quite know if the interest is there for for that window or not. But, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of clubs do look at, you know, we're going to take this person in the summer. They, they Their agent says they want to join us. Maybe you want to do the deal in January, you know, get a bit of mo- more money out of it, something like that, and try and force deals through that way. It's a lot of uh, cloak and dagger kind of stuff going on. But um, I think we'll leave it there because my voice is starting to fade a little bit. Um, as as the illness I mentioned in our other podcast recorded today uh, really starts to take hold. So um hope that was of some interest, and there will be, um, like I say, daily versions of these shows with a variety of personnel and um, culminating, we hope, still still organising it uh, with a live transfer deadline day show like we used to do back in the homestead radio days. You remember them? Yeah, that was right, right, wasn't it? Anyway... Um, Thanks for listening. Catch you soon. Bye.
1: Back of the Nest Daily Transfer
3: Podcast